Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, you guys ready? Buckle up, here we go. Do I need to be less white? <laughs> in a Crayola box of crayons, there is a color white. And I'm glad I'm not that white. But this is really important for you young, especially you young people. Again, they're attacking young people. When I say young people, I want to say 30, 30 minus. Um, the rest of you can go, oh. So, you know, the issue is being less, of being less white is very superficial and basically deals with our flesh, but they are coming after whites, not just white males, white females as well. Our spiritual enemy is trying to fuel the emotions of hatred based on skin color, party affiliation, division amongst the two sexes, and there are only two sexes, as well as genders. They're both one and the same, scientifically undividable. But our spiritual enemy is doing his best to bring America down through division and his tactics are not new at all. But they do work well. Why? Because he's had 6,000 years of practice, roughly. So does a person need to become less white or does that person need to become a saint? So when somebody tries to back you into a corner on the race issue, well, you're white and you have more privileges than someone else. You have to be mature enough to address it and say, you know what, I'm not biting into that race issue. Let's talk about Jesus. We've got to talk about Jesus because there really is only one race, guys. It's the human race. started with Adam and Eve. And the enemy tries to divide us all up so that we'll attack each other. So you have to eliminate the tactics of the enemy in your own mind and in your own heart. You see, the best, and I believe the only way to change my attitude about another individual is to have a heart transplant. I have to recognize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior and that my heart, even as a saint, is desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I... The Lord, in verse 10, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man or woman according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. You see, the Bible clearly states the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. Now, if you're new to Christianity, when you hear this word heart in the Bible, it's referring to your soul, your inner being, your personality, who you are, what comes out? Are you a quiet person? Are you, are you outgoing? That's called the heart in the Bible. So the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Where is your heart at? Once I realize that, acknowledge my sinful nature, which is the first step. If you're new here, you do not have, a, you do not have Jesus as your Savior. The first step of becoming a Christian is to acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a savior. Now, most of you know this, but I want to explain it for that one individual that might be here that needs Jesus. Very, very important. 
Once I acknowledge that, then the Holy Spirit will come into my life and start a heart transformation process, which will move for good my prejudices that I might have against someone else. John the baptizer said it best when he was speaking of his cousin Jesus being the Messiah. And this is a very important principle in our Christian faith. This is so important. Religion will teach you exactly the opposite. John 3.30 says this, he must increase. Now specifically, John was pointing to Jesus because John's disciples came to him and they said, hey, John, what's going on? Jesus, that guy you baptized, he's increasing. There's more people going after him now than us. And so John made a very important spiritual, physical principle as well as a spiritual principle. He must increase. John speaking of his cousin Jesus. He must increase. I must decrease. That's physical, but it's also very spiritual. Religion will try to teach you that you must decrease. You must pray more. You must attend services. You must knock on doors. You must give money. You this, you this, you this. Then maybe God will love you. Then maybe you'll go to heaven. You might have to go through purgatory to get there, but maybe you'll go to heaven. You won't find that in the scriptures. You will not find that. So in our lives as Christians, it's kind of like when somebody wants to give up, give up smoking. What's a typical person do when they give up, want to give up smoke. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke after breakfast. I'm just not going to smoke. And they start their day off with, I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke. And they have breakfast. And they don't have a cigarette after breakfast. Oh, man, that was so good. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not, I'm not going to smoke after lunch today. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke. I'm just not going to smoke. And they have lunch. And they get into that attitude. And they go, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And they don't do that. And then they go, okay, I can, I can make it through dinner. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke. And so they have dinner. They, 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 they have a cigarette. <sighs> Why did they have a cigarette? Anybody know why they had a cigarette? They were focusing on it all day long. I'm not going to have a cigarette. I'm not going to have a cigarette. You want to give up smoking? Realize that your body is the temple of God. And start memorizing scriptures that deal with your temple. And instead of saying, I'm not going to smoke, I'm not going to smoke, say, I'm going to quote the word of God. I'm going to quote the word of God. I'm going to quote the word of God. And as you're quoting the word of God, you're not thinking about what your flesh desires. Matter of fact, you're crucifying your flesh. He must increase. I must decrease, and you will find whether whatever it might be, anger or pornography or cursing or whatever it might be, you will find supernaturally, naturally, that will go out of your life. It will go out of your life. But if you focus on your flesh, it won't. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is is above all. You see, as the Holy Spirit increases, my fleshly desires will decrease. I will never be sinless. When I die, I will be, praise God, but not until then. But I should find myself sinning less. Hopefully that makes sense to everybody. You will never be sinless, but you should be sinning less. Very important. Let's look at Luke chapter nine. Luke chapter nine. As people are now coming out, and this is becoming prevalent in our culture, you need to be less white. Stupidity is growing each and every day. Luke 9. 
Then Jesus said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny his political affiliation. Let him deny his sex. Let him deny his career. Let him deny, what does your Bible say? Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow a political party and follow a cause. No, follow me. Follow me. It's not about being less white. It's about being more like Jesus. Because it doesn't matter what color you are. You need to be less of yourself. Color is, is irrelevant. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. This isn't talking about physical life. This is talking about spiritual which at the end of the day, you will use your physical life as well for all of eternity. For what profit is it to a man or woman if he gains the whole world and himself is destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. So if you're here this morning as a junior high student or high school, a college and career, 20 and above, whatever age you are at, and you don't have Jesus as your Savior, I make this very clear. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. God sends no one to hell. I'm making this perfectly clear. He, died, he sent his son to die for you. You have a choice. You have free will. God's not going to kick down the door. You can reject Jesus. But when you do, you're saying, I'm ashamed of him. He's going to be ashamed of you. And he doesn't send you to hell. You go to hell yourself. Because you didn't want nothing to do with the Bible. I don't want nothing to do with your God. I don't want nothing to do with your Jesus. I'll take my chances. Not a good call. But if that's what you want to do, just want to make that perfectly clear. God loves you. Send a son to die for you. You have free will. You can choose him or reject him. But for me, as a Christian, for you as a Christian, when I die daily, hourly, minute by minute, if I follow after Jesus, I will become more like him. It happens automatically. Let's look at Romans chapter 12. You probably have this memorized. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. This is a study before the study, in case you're wondering. Because I have to address these issues that come up in our society. And you young people, you need to know your Bible so you can address it. And don't get caught into the race trap. It's just a trap from the enemy. Be as wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. There's one race, the human race. Come from Adam and Eve. One male, one female. Romans 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, so your whole being, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So God isn't asking us anything unreasonable. Sell everything you have, give it all to the church, and then come follow me. No, he's just asking you just reasonable things. Every day when you wake up, just present your body. God, what do you want me to do today? Oh, you want me to go to work? Yeah, I need to go to work. I need to provide a thing. Okay, well, while as I go, help me not to yell and scream at people on the freeway. Help me not to cut people off. Help me not to be mad at my supervisor when I walk in. Help me to love my supervisor. Help me to pray for my fellow employees. And you just start presenting your body and praying and offering up yourself for God's service. Verse two, and do not be conformed to this world. The things of this world are passing away. BLM, all of these Things that happen to come up, spring up from Satan himself, 
trying to do what? Cause division. It's from the pit of hell. Just trying to cause division, dissension, separate the races, get everybody mad at each other. No. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The example I mentioned earlier, how do you transform your mind? As you're running the program, remember our our brain is like a hard drive. You're running the program, you're running the program. You glitch, you pull that out, you insert the word of God, and then you run the program some more. And as you continually do that, you're going to be transformed with the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, I don't need to become less white. I need to allow the Holy Spirit to transform my heart and then I will become less sinful, which is the main problem that this world is trying to address through race denial or behavior modification. It will never work. But what did, what did Paul say after spending years, years following after Jesus? What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 11.1? 1? He said this, Imitate me just as I imitate the pastor. <laughs> Didn't say that, did he? Imitate me just as I also imitate my party affiliation. Imitate me just as I get involved with this group of activists for social justice. Young people, you are getting sucked into social justice. Be very careful the road that you go down. It's a pit. It's quicksand. It's going to suck you in. No, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. That's, that's hard to say. I think we all need to ask ourselves that on a regular basis. I know I do. Would I actually say this to somebody? Would I actually say, follow me around for the day and you know what, imitate what I do. Just feel free, check me out and imitate what I do. That's kind of scary. But yet, we should be more like Jesus, right? That's our goal, right? It doesn't God say, be holy for I am holy? He doesn't say, be a pastor because I'm a pastor. No, he says, be holy for I am holy. And so, guys, this is, this is something that, especially young people, you need to know some basic scriptures so when they try to pull you into the race bait, you go, no, 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 no. There's one race. Sorry, with Adam and Eve. And I'm called to be holy for my God is holy. And I'm going to love everybody because why? Anybody know John 3.16? Any of you young people? Anybody brave enough to stand up and quote me John 3.16 out loud? Raise your voice. One young person? You're not young, Joe. Get out of here. <laughs> You're getting younger because we're getting closer to going home, but physically, go ahead, stand up and belt it out. Stand up and belt it out. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amen. 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 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You see, guys, that's what it's all about. Don't get sucked into a debate about religion or race. Quote the word of God. Quote the word of God. Memorize John 3.16. Well, if you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Corinthians. And so we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We made it through verse 7. We're going to make it through verses 8 and 9 this morning. Um, We're not in a race. We want to learn these principles and apply them to our lives. We don't need more head knowledge. We need heart transformation. 
Father, we thank you and praise you for your word, and we're going to continue in our worship of you by opening your word. Our lives are to be 24-7 worship. They're not. We all fall short. But at least we should be seeking after that. And so we're just going to continue our worship of you. So Lord, if there's anything on our minds, anxiety, worry, frustration, concern, joy, happiness, Lord, help us to lay those at your throne momentarily so that we might hear from your word and hear from you via the Holy Spirit how we can be more like Jesus. For at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, being more like your son. I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Thosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth. Notice, he's writing to Christians. To those who are sanctified, set apart, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints, with all who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched, notice past tense, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. Notice that. He gives the gifts even as a testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift. Again, this is not talent, earthly talent. These are spiritual gifts. Every believer has a spiritual gift. Eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we're to be focused at Jesus coming back, and that's why we hung the mural up in the East Lobby. I encourage you all to go out the East Lobby. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back from the East. That's why it's on the East Wall. He is coming back for his bride. And those who have passed before us, by the way, 8,500 people are going to die today in America. 8,500 people are going to die today in America. And tomorrow, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday. Over 56,000, and that's not of the virus. Over 56,000 people are going to die in this next week in America alone. You and I might be one of them. Are we ready to go home? Are we ready to see Jesus? Think about that, guys. That's just statistics. That's just stats. Matter of fact, last, last uh, year... There were more deaths. Even though uh, driving was down, there was 42,000 traffic deaths last year in America. 42,000, second highest. 42,000. And people were staying home. Why were there more deaths? Hey, there's nobody on the road. Let's do 100. They said it was because of speed. And now that people are getting on the road more, people are still speeding. I mean, California's here, right? I was doing 75 and a 65, and somebody flew past me. I'm like, okay, you're going fast. I'll catch up with you. You'll get the ticket. Why not, right? <laughs> Sounds good. Verse 8, who will also confirm you to the end. So getting into our text this morning, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I'd like you to notice that there are four words that are italicized in this verse. 
Uh, for you young people, I hope that you all have a Bible, that you're not using a device. Um, you have your device with you at all times, which is nice, but uh, I encourage you to have a paper Bible. That, those words, that you may be, they're not in there. They're italicized. So as you read your Bible and you see words that are italicized in the text, that means they're not in the original text. So they put them in there to help the translation. Sometimes it helps, sometimes it hurts. To me, in this situation, it hurts. Because it says, that you may be. What do you mean that it may be? When you read it, it says, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Very important. The Bible already sees Bible-believing Christians, God already sees Bible-believing Christians as holy, blameless, unreprovable in the faith because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That word unreprovable, it's an accounting term. It means no record. In heaven, I know this is hard for so many people to grasp, but in heaven, you have no sin in heaven. You have not one sin in heaven. Now we go and we go, God, do you remember yesterday? He's kind of going, yeah, what about it? Well, you remember what I did? Uh, let me see, let me see. Let me see, let me see, let me see. What does my book say? Let me see. Uh, Jim, hmm. No, I, I don't have any record. I don't have any record. But we'll beat ourselves up, won't we, on a regular basis? God's not beating us up. God's not condemning us. God never condemns us. Not so that we can go out and live like the devil, so that we'll sin less with appreciation, knowing that there's no record. Now there's, and you want to learn direction in the, in the Bible, you have from earth, heaven to earth and earth to heaven, because I do sin. So yes, I need to go to God and confess my sin, and God will forgive me, but it's already been forgiven at the cross. But I need that. I need that cleansing. God doesn't need it. I need it. And so we do need to confess our sins. But the word confirm here, the word confirm is really important. I'm not a Greek scholar. You can figure this all out yourself. But the, the word is 950. Strong's Concordance, 950. It means this, to establish, to make sure. That word, word comes from 949. 949 means stable, firm. And it comes from the root, 939, which means to walk. Isn't that awesome? To walk. And it's used only once in the New Testament, 939. The word feet. And it's found in verse 7 in Acts 3, 1 through 10. This man was lame since birth and was above 40 years old. You'll find that in Acts 2, 42, uh, 4, 22. When he received a miraculous healing from God through Peter and John. So God will establish... Make stable, cause to walk the Christian in their faith. What does it say? Who will also confirm you. Now, religion will teach you and me that we need to make it happen. Now, again, there's dual responsibility, so don't neglect either one. We should have a responsibility. We do have a responsibility to read our Bibles, to be in prayer, to be in fellowship. That's our, that should be part of our responsibility. But unfortunately, what religion does is it places the majority of it in your lap, and you better be good enough in order for God to love you or to get to heaven. No, it's in God's lap. God is the one who's going to get me to heaven, what? Blameless. He might get me to heaven. He may get me to heaven. No, 
I'm going to heaven blameless, whether I like it or not. Now, again, this doesn't mean I should go out and sin like crazy. The Bible tells us this. No, 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 no. But belief does affect behavior. You see, this man had to reach out in order for Peter to help him to his feet. And I believe what Paul is saying is that the Holy Spirit is still seeking to strengthen those weak areas in our lives. Do any of you have any weak areas in your lives? Feel free, the rest of you are lying, so that's a weak area. (laughs) Just the way it is, you have a weak area, you, you lie. So, God will strengthen you, don't go to him, he'll strengthen you. So through our previous studies, we know that that strength comes via the word of God. You see, he desires to see strong spiritually and walking in the power of his might. He desires, us to see, he desires to see us that. Instead, we often find ourselves looking for something or to someone else to strengthen our weaknesses. Very dangerous. Look to the pastor. Very dangerous. Look to your mate. Very dangerous. Look to your children. Super dangerous. You got to keep looking to Jesus. Now, we help each other. So again, don't take anything out of context. We need each other. We can help each other. Yes, absolutely. Discipling, mentoring, all those things. But our first and foremost, we need to be looking to God. Looking to God. You see, in our reality, our weaknesses will only be strengthened through God's word and continually infilling of the Holy Spirit. You see, the word of God creates a supernatural power through the spirit. The only thing that we can create is weakness through the flesh. You see, the word of God will bring healing and restoration where our flesh will bring discouragement, division, and discontentment. No show of hands, but how many of you people know somebody who focuses on themselves and they walk around like Eeyore? You know, the word of God will cleanse and purify us where our flesh will cause us to live in the filth of this world. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Crucified. I crucify my flesh because I live. So you and I, we have a responsibility to let God do what? Verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. First and foremost, God is faithful. God was faithful with Adam. God brought Adam a helpmate, Eve. God was faithful to Noah. God delivered Noah and his family from the flood just as God had promised. God was faithful to Abraham and Sarah providing them a a son named Isaac who was the fulfillment of God's promise. They tried to help God and has caused problems for thousands of years. God was faithful to the children of Israel. He brought them out of Egypt with incredible signs of power just as he promised. You see, God was faithful to Nehemiah, to Esther. Think about this, to Mary. We have a hard time with this, but in that culture, the women were anticipating the Messiah coming. And how does the Messiah come? Through childbirth. We might just think, well, Mary, she was just the only woman that was looking for the Messiah. No, every woman, every woman was looking for the Messiah. Could they be the one to carry the Messiah? There was anticipation of not only the Messiah coming, but me as a woman, not me literally, but a woman carrying the Messiah. 
Mary, the mother of Jesus, what? Fulfilled his promise through the coming Messiah, guys. In the Old Testament, God fulfilled the promise. Nobody else could. God alone. What's the point I'm trying to make here? Just what the verse says, plain and simple. God is faithful. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God is faithful and always will be faithful because he cannot deny himself. 2 Timothy tells us this, 2.13. If we are faithless, even when I am faithless, God asks me to do something, I don't do it for whatever reason, that's faithless. Doesn't mean I've lost my salvation, none of that nonsense. It just means I miss out on a blessing, potential reward. Even when I'm faithless, he remains faithful. He just goes, okay, fine. You don't want to do it? I'll have so-and-so do it. And he has them do it. I'm the one that missed out, not God. But God gives me the opportunity, Ephesians 2, 10. He has works for us to walk in this week if we want to walk in them. Or we can just put our heads in the ground, sand, and say, no, I'm busy. Now, if God was and always will be faithful, why do we worry and fret over so many things? Because it's easier to worry than to pray. Matter of fact, some people might just say, why pray when you can worry? Let that sink in. Prayer takes perseverance. We've been praying for our kids. Our our children now are not our children anymore. They're young adults. Our young adults are... um, 32, 34, 36, and 39. We still pray for them daily. We still pray for them. It's never over. You got to persevere. Good times, bad times, happy times, sad times. You have to persevere. Worry? Oh, man, that just comes naturally. That just comes naturally. Yeah, let's worry about them. I don't got time for that. Better to pray. Better to pray. You see, God is faithful. Not that we always pray. Don't get, I'm not trying to give the super saint impression here. You know, God is faithful. Now, we might say that, but do we really believe it? Do you really believe it? Do I really believe it? You see, if we really believe it, our emotions, our actions, our attitudes, our very being will reflect that in private as well as in public, especially for you young people. Because most young people, how many of you are ever young people? Any old people ever young people? (laughs) You're catching up, John. When you're young, you're what driven? What are you driven? Feeling. Everything's about feeling. Feeling, feeling, feeling. Feeling, feeling, feeling. Almost everything is feeling, 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 feeling. As you get older, you realize these feelings are dangerous. I better get into reality and start living in the land of facts. And you, and you, and you grow and you mature. So you young people, we've been there and done that. We understand. So you've got to be very, very careful with your feelings, your emotions, because actions will come out from that. You will develop attitudes. You will develop a character. And it might not be what you really want. God, as we look back in verse 9, God is faithful by whom you are called into fellowship. Very important word. God called us into fellowship with him. You know, it wasn't some bright idea that I had one day. I was, my parents were making me go to church every Sunday. Maybe some of you, your parents are doing that as well. And I never had a thought, you know what, I think I'm going to love God today. I never had that thought. I was thinking about the next party the next weekend. What can I do? How can I get away with it? Who am I going to contact? It was God's faithfulness that brought me to him, not my faithfulness. God, through the unction of the Holy Spirit, kept chasing me, calling me, wooing me. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 shows us that it was God who gave me the free gift to accept his one and only son. 
For by grace you are saved through faith. That not of yourselves is a gift of God. Gift of God. You didn't make it happen. It was his gift. Like the lame man. He had to reach out to Peter. He could have just sat there and said, you know what? I haven't walked my whole life and I like begging. It's free money. The government gives me a fun, little bit here too. So no, I, I, don't want, I don't want to reach out. No, he heard something from Peter and John that no one, I, I would assume no one ever said to him. As Peter reached out his hand and said, rise up and walk. He had a decision to make. Young people, older saints, you have a decision to make. Am I going to believe the Bible and go after the Bible or am I going to do it on my own? And you could talk to a saint after the service and ask him how it works, an older saint. They'll be more than happy to tell you, don't do it on your own. It's not going to be good. Am I always faithful? Nope. But God is. Now God is working through me to help me become more faithful. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, a very important principle. But it's still God who is doing that work through me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Now, as you grow in the Lord, you're going to learn this principle. Let me help, maybe help you a little bit. You know, sometimes God asks us to do something and we might be going, yeah, no, I don't want to. I just, I just really don't want to. And, and kind of like Jonah, you may run, and then after a season, you, you actually go, okay, God, I'll do it. And he gives you the Holy Spirit, and you go and do it, and fruit takes place like Jonah, the largest revival in Old Testament history. The whole town got saved, and Jonah wanted them torched. But after it's all done, God says, well done. What do you mean, well done? I was dragging my feet. Well, you did it, didn't you? God praises me for doing something that the Holy Spirit inspired me to do, filled me to do it, and allowed me to do it. And he still gives me, way to go. That a boy. And this is for all of us. So be careful in the ministry, and even in your own life, thinking too highly of yourself. Whatever natural talents or gifts you've been given by God, be careful. What does it say? Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think it is anything of being of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers. Now, again, we need to do our part reading, praying, studying, going to Bible college, whatever it might be. We do need to do our part who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Holy Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Holy Spirit gives life. Was Adam faithful at all times? No. Was Abraham faithful at all times? Were the Israelite children faithful at all times? Was David faithful at all times? Were the prophets of old faithful? How about the disciples? What about the church? How about you and me? Are we faithful all the time? You see, don't look to yourself for faithfulness, but look to God being faithful through you. Take the pressure off yourself and just put it with God. And God, you want to use me? You're going to empower me. 
you're going to give me the strength. I'm scared right now, but I'm going to obey. I'm going to listen because you're, and you know, if you're in the daily reading, Jesus actually just said that. I think it was this morning in the daily reading. Don't worry about when they bring you before the magistrates, when they bring you before the authorities. Don't worry. Don't, don't, don't worry about what you need to say. I'm going to give you what you need to say at the given time. So he wasn't saying don't study. Young people, he wasn't saying don't read your Bible. No, we need to do our part, be ready, but don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. He's faithful. He is faithful. Well, what else do we see that God shows us about his faithfulness? I mentioned it earlier. The Holy Spirit seeks out people to enable them to enter into that relationship with the Heavenly Father. God is seeking intimate fellowship. Let's look at 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. And I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 1, 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the koinonia, the fellowship, koinonia, which means partnership, partnership of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Koinonia, partnership. 1 John 1, 1 which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Who is this? Who is this word here? Uh, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was a God. Anybody going to correct me? A is not in there. That's the Jehovah Witness Bible. It's when they come and knock on your door and you ask them to quote John 1.1, 1, 1. oh, he was a God. Yeah, yeah, one of many. No, 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 no. He is the son of God. And so John here, we make it very clear as we read our Bibles from Genesis to Revelation, we don't have to guess. Okay, who's the word spoken of here? Jesus. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have koinonia with us, partnership, fellowship. Guys, God wants us to partner with him throughout the day, throughout the week. He wants us to have that intimate fellowship. And truly our fellowship, our koinonia, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Think about that. The Apostle John sat down and had intimate fellowship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It wasn't a a sec, uh, it wasn't through a third or second party exchange. It was a first-hand experience. Could you imagine that? Reaching out and touching Jesus. Do you think Jesus walked around with, in a six-foot bubble and nobody could get near him for social distancing? I believe Jesus hugged people. I believe Jesus reached out. I believe Jesus actually laughed and had a good time. Scriptures say laughter is good medicine. He wasn't, a, he wasn't a Christian sucking on lemons, guys. He was real. He was real. John saw him. The disciples saw him. They touched him. They slept next to him. Can you imagine? Do you think Jesus just had a, a holy fragrance his whole earthly life? He stunk just like anybody else. He was a human being that needed a bath, needed a shower. Needed, he needed that. That's why when you would come into a house, they would anoint you with oil because you stunk. And then the oil would help take away that scent. That's just reality. Doesn't take away from his divinity. I'm not mocking Jesus. Don't even go there. That's ridiculous. I'm trying to help you and I realize Jesus was human, guys. Peter and John were human. We are human. And God wants intimate fellowship with us. Here's just a little analogy. 
When was the last time you went out and sought after some fellowship with a homeless person living under a bridge who had not taken a bath in one or two months? And this is no guilt, ministry, none of that nonsense. Just use the analogy for what it is. I'm just using it as a quick analogy. We don't do that. But that's what Jesus did for us. That's what God did for us. He sent his son down to us, thinking sinners, to fellowship with us so that we might have fellowship with him. You see, on our best days compared to heaven, that's what Jesus did with his disciples and that's what he desires to do with us. We'll wrap it up with this. God's faithfulness has given an opportunity to anyone, to anyone who received the invitation to have intimate fellowship koinonia. Ray, you want to throw up that last slide? Should be. God's faithfulness has given an opportunity to anyone who received the invitation to have intimate fellowship koinonia, partnership with him. So there might be one person here this morning, so patient, saints, be patient, and start to pray in the spiritual gap. There might be one junior higher here that thinks they're saved and they're not, but they know they're a sinner. If you know you're a sinner and you're not saved, that means you're going to hell. You're not getting to heaven on your parents' faith. Got to make that perfectly clear. You might be an older person and you punched the clock of religion for 60, 70 decades. You're not getting to heaven if you don't know Jesus. Your good works mean nothing. Absolutely nothing. So let's close our eyes and as the saints are praying, if you, that individual, or maybe a few individuals, if you've never received Jesus and you would like to receive him today, you now get it. The Holy Spirit has made it click. And you now realize I am a sinner in need of a savior. Then I encourage you just to pray this simple prayer. It's not about the prayer, it's about your heart. If your heart is soft and sincere, God hears this prayer. Just pray this prayer, God. I get it. I don't understand it all, but I get it. I'm a sinner, which means I need a savior. So I reach out and accept that free gift of salvation. I accept it. And I invite your Holy Spirit to come and live within me. I really don't even understand what that means, but I trust you're going to show me. And that I am now your child, your son, your daughter. I am now sealed until the day of redemption. You will never lose me. You will never forsake me. And I say thank you, God, for accepting me just like I am. And I trust because you're a loving God that you're going to help me become more like Jesus each and every day through the word, through prayer, through meeting with other guys, other gals, fellowship. Thank you that I can now call you Father, Abba, my Daddy. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Father, strengthen us, believers, as we go out. We need more of your Holy Spirit. We are not sufficient of ourselves. We can't save anybody. 
But Lord, you desire us to water and to plant and to fertilize. So Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit afresh and new as we go out into our mission field that we be used this week for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.